Hi, Filmatics. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to part three. You're going to love this part with Michael Givens. And you probably know him as an amazing cinematographer, writer, and director. He's known for The Celestine Prophecy, which is uh, uh, going to be a spectacular um, movie if you watch it and binge watch that. Angel Camouflage, Surviving the Wild with Jamie Kennedy and John Voight. Orphan Horse, another John Voight. Nuns, deadly confessions, though shall not kill. Opposite day, a family-friendly, cute kids movie. So much fun with Polly Shore. Let's welcome back to the show, Michael Givens. Such a pleasure. <laughs> so we were talking in part two of uh, your, your um, jump from an amazing world sophisticated one of the top cinematographers in the world and Ridley Scott calls you has a meeting and says Michael Gibbons you got to be a director and then you start directing can you tell us about some of your favorite films that you've worked on yeah sure um you know um I've actually worked on a lot of films, a lot. I mean, as far as all the ones that I worked on in a, a few different categories, I've worked on about 70 or 75 movies and uh, shot about uh, a thousand TV commercials, mostly around the world. And uh, it, it all sort of leads you to, you know, whatever it is that your talent, you know, stands up for, you know, what it, you know, I've, I've always had, you know, um, hmm, how do I say this? The the sort of raison d'etre of my storytelling is about a level, this is why I'm always attracted to people like Ridley Scott is because I, I like a level of sophistication with what I shoot. Now that certainly does not mean that everything that I shot was sophisticated. If you go look at, you know, all the movies that are shot or and or directed, when I direct, I'm also the cinematographer and sometimes the writer. But <clears throat> that's amazing. Are there are there a lot that uh, directors that are also their own cinematographer? Is that a unique thing, or it's pretty? There's quite a few. Fun. There's a few. There's not many. Yeah. But there's a few, and uh, <clears throat> my sort of smart aleck answer to that is it's one <laughs> less person to argue with. Oh, but yeah. It's it's really two people less to argue with because uh, I'll also operate the camera. Uh, but uh, it 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 really is because. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I know what I'm looking for and I know what look that I want to put to it. And uh, I'm sure that if I was doing a hundred million dollar movie, a studio probably wouldn't let me also DP it, but I haven't had that opportunity yet. And, and you uh, should, I mean, uh, you, Fox studio, Warner brothers. Hello, Michael Gibbons. You want him on that <laughs> big blockbuster movie. I can't, I, I, I can imagine right now how incredible a Marvel action film would be with you on it. It would be so incredible, and the fans would be cheering. We should get like a petition going. Michael Givens, you know, hire him on a blockbuster. I bet you get one after this interview. I bet you I'll be like seeing your big blockbuster um, studio film. That'd be incredibly. Oh my god, they would be so happy with your work. Don't you have a management company? Yes, yes. Mm, maybe we should talk. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something in it for everybody. Um, but, um, you know, I, I really got my start with some really incredibly talented visual storytellers. 
and that's sort of the crux of what I do, and that's also the, the sort of genesis of how I write. I, I write in a very visual way because that's the way I shoot. I remember uh, having a meeting with uh, my one of there were two guys that composed the music for um, Angel Camouflage, and that was John Morgan and Billy Stromberg. And Billy said to me afterwards, he says, this is the first movie that I've ever worked on where the movie actually was just like the script. I said, well, yeah, that's because I wrote it, you know, and then I shot it and then I sat with the editor. But uh, it um, just because I did it, it certainly doesn't mean that it's right. But there, there is a great joy in the process of doing those things and knowing what you're looking for but the real joy comes from watching an actor literally breathe life into words that you came up with you know at like three o'clock in the morning one night while you were you know panicking to get through with some sort of page count and uh i i i give you an example i mean there was a scene in angel camouflaged where well actually when i was doing uh, casting is, is the best place to start where i was i was casting for that there was a number of 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 well-known actors that wanted a particular role in that movie. And I sent it around to people and they really wanted it, but I had my heart set on using this woman named Delana Robicho or Smith. She's had a couple of different last names, but she's absolutely brilliant, wonderful rock star from South Africa. Look her up. You don't need to look up anything more than Delana. I'm sure that'll show up. And uh, she's brilliant. And I was actually offered that movie by some some guys that had a production company in Florida. They they wanted to do a movie about a blind football player that did not get off the ground, and um, they had a comedy which was called Coconuts, and they wanted me to shoot that. And I didn't want to do it because it was all kind of low comedy, and I'm just not <laughs> interested in that. And, um, so I didn't want to do it. And um, they then said, well, look, we'd like to shoot it down in the Florida Keys where you come down and look at locations with us and let us talk you into this. And I said, you know what? I'll take a trip to the, to the Keys. Why not? <laughs> sure, so I went not? down there. I met with those guys and uh, we walked around and, and I finally just said to him, I said, guys, this, this is just the wrong story. This is not what you should tell. Uh, you know, this sort of goofy comedy. And, uh, this really should be a movie about, you know, um, rock and roll and tattoos and and uh, struggling and you know making a life and redemption and and uh, they just kind of looked at me with a blank stare and and i said uh, you know actually one of the producers was this really great guy who actually i did movies with back in the 80s uh, a guy named ken dalton and we were working for roger corman when we were working together at first and uh, he says to me he says hey have you ever heard of that show rock and he couldn't even remember the rest of the name it's rockstar supernova and i don't watch a lot of tv but i happened to have seen that show and i was fascinated with uh, with delana and i said oh my god you're talking about delana <laughs> hmm. okay if you'll let me do a page one rewrite on this script i'll do your movie and so um I was leaving right after that to go shoot a commercial in Prague. And I went to Prague, did, um, actually went to, where was it? It was Milan, 
where the production company was, went to a production meeting there. We went to Prague, did some location scouting, and we had like two weeks before we were shooting. And they said, well, you know, we can send you home or the Cannes Festival is going on. We can send you there uh, or or you can just hang out in Milan. And I said, send me to the Cannes Festival. <laughs> yeah, we oui, bonjour. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, you know what? I've been to that 11 times. It's the greatest thing in the world. I want to go. Someone send yeah. me there to do well, the podcast. You're, you're going to go. You're going to go. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm Let's, there. <laughs> let's talk let's talk later you're gonna go. and um, so i went to the can festival for a week and i made notes in that week and then i went back to milan locked myself in a hotel room and wrote the first draft literally on legal pads of the of the script for angel camouflage um, while I was locked away in that thing. Then I went and shot the commercial, and then I went from there. I went down to Miami to meet with these guys, and I presented them, pitched them the idea. And they were like, gosh, okay, um, what's that going to cost? I said, I don't know. Um, but, you know, let's, uh, you know, what have we got? And we had a little bit of money raised, which was like $250,000. And I said, well, let's take that money and go shoot a teaser. Let's go shoot, you know, like some scenes from the movie so it's not wasted so that we actually put it in a movie and we went uh i got them to agree to it we took that money we went out to the desert in california and we shot what turns out to be basically the opening scene not the very opening scenes but right after the opening scenes of the movie and we shot 10 10 minutes of the movie and we then, and we shot, you know, 35 and I went and did, you know, an edit and a color correction. And then we put it on Blu-ray and started showing it to investors. Well, I had this one woman that came along that saw it and she loved it and wanted to get involved with it. And she just wrote me a check. It was brilliant. And uh, you, lo you love that. I want to write you a check. Yeah. It has now, James all of, Brolin all of in that, it. Yeah. All of that, all of that pre-pro took about a year. Okay. And in that time, after I met with Delana and talked with her, I started giving her acting lessons. And people argued with me. It's like, no, you should hire an actor to be a musician. And I said, mm, not in this case. In many cases, yes. But in this case, no. It needs to be, and I was thinking about marketing as well. Uh, I wanted to use Delana because Delana would then also help market the movie with her music. Uh, we also, like I wrote uh, some scenes for Joan Jett and Joan unfortunately had to back out at the last minute because of the movie that she had done uh, about her band. What was it called? Cherry. Um, gosh, I can't remember. But um, she's a, gosh, she's a dream. What a great lady. But we had the Marshall Tucker band. We had Curtis Blow. And then because I couldn't get... Um, Joan, we switched over. We actually talked to like all of the great uh, rock and roll women of the 80s, like Pat Benatar and Deborah Harry and Stevie Nicks and Alana Miles. Alana was going to do it, but Alana had been in an accident and hurt herself and uh, her neck was screwed up. And uh, uh, but she came to set. Actually, she flew down because we shot it in Charleston, South Carolina, but uh, she flew down and uh, but we ended up hiring uh, Patty Smythe, uh, not Patty Smith, but Patty Smythe, who had that band um, Scandals, Scandal, 
and like she had the, the hits warrior and uh, goodbye to you i and love goodbye to you goodbye to you are we allowed to say I, that <laughs> i loved patty Smythe in the 80s i had a had a crush on her and uh she's married to uh, uh john McEnroe, who i sh previously shot a visa commercial with him and i was validated by john McEnroe because he yelled at me in front of everybody <laughs> so that's that's cool yeah, I can take oh, it. I just smiled and said, okay, cool. <laughs> Yell at me. The <laughs> B-roll, make sure you have that for our uh, making of the film, Angel Camouflage. Angel Camouflage. That that movie, though, was a delight. Uh, it, it it did not get a good distribution. Uh, they went to, we went with a company that uh, got it involved with a company that went bankrupt and then it was stuck in litigation for a long time. We're trying to get it re-released right now. There's somebody that has it on Amazon right now and they're not supposed to have it. And we're trying to get it back so that we can re-release it. And then so somebody at Amazon some has your film that you own, Angel Camouflage. Amazon, don't let them get away with that. Come on, everyone. Fans, get behind yeah. Angel Camouflage. This rock and roll film by Michael Givens, you know, needs to come back to you and be distributed because right now people want to see rock and roll films. They are begging for great films. With well, rock here's, and what, here's what I want to do. I want to do some, you know, like, like Zoom screenings, not where people are looking at it on Zoom, but people will get together and look at it and then we'll do like a Q&A. I have a party platform for you, Michael. My friend's a tech guy in Silicon Valley. He's got the party platform where you you you, you, you have 300 people in a room per per uh, laptop. And there's a camera. The audience can turn off and on. There's audio. Yeah. They can turn on the audio. You can talk right, to people. We're gonna, right? Okay, we're going to do that. We're yeah. going to do that because um, uh, well, I can get people that worked on the movies, such as Delana, maybe Jim Brolin. Uh, maybe the guys from Marshall Tucker Band, maybe Curtis Blow. You know, oh, and, amazing! Um, you know, I'm sure that Patty would do it. They're, they're, you know, and and get people to do. You know, it's like I I went on the the festival circuit with that movie, and it won like 14 awards. You know, in different festivals around the world. Congratulations! And it, a lot of times we would go and do Q and As, and it was amazing. They would have to run us off the stage because people had so many questions. But one of the reasons that people loved it so much at film festivals is because it's such a homegrown film. You know, because it didn't cost a lot of money, but we raised the money and we got real people in it. And, and don't get me wrong when I say real people, everybody's real people. But what I'm saying is that we got people that had some box office draw that were in this thing. We had real crew members. And, and again, I'm saying that because there's a lot of people out there that make the mistake of making movies with absolutely nothing. It's okay if that's what you have to do, but don't let that become your career because it's an actual business and you, you know, getting professionals to work is a huge advantage to, to filmmakers to actually have a career. And so many people just feel like, you know what, I can buy the camera that makes me a director. Okay. Uh, to some extent. Uh, but honestly, if you don't understand how the business works and how you actually put this project together and how to deal with actors, how many directors, uh, especially at that level, actually understand the language of actors to be able to talk to them? I, listen, I hear it from actors all the time. I run an acting school as well, and I, and I hear it, and they, they, it's, it's horrifying to them. They feel very alone because these folks haven't been trained, and they don't know how to speak that language. 
so anyway, I'll get off my high horse. <laughs> yeah. So so um so how so so this leads us into the question like how has COVID affected your art and your work and your and your life at home? So can yeah. Yeah, COVID. Um, yeah, with, without going into what is COVID and uh, you know why did this happen? Why did something that you know has a ninety nine point eight percent recovery rate actually do this to the world? You know, you have to understand that there's a lot of different reasons and powerful people that move things around. The for me, the selfish end of it is that it, for the most part, has really not completely killed, but it is it is maimed the film industry to a point of will it be the same when it comes back? I don't know. Uh, it'll be something, but will it be the same? And was this necessary? Because, um, you know, the film industry is a really wonderful industry of, you know, that with storytelling. But like I said before, it is definitely a device of propaganda. And, uh, you know, I, I try to stay away from that and just tell people stories that I think will uh, move them and tell them a story that either entertains them or reminds them of some sort of great moment in their own lives. But there are people that are trying to do other things. So what does it mean? I mean, the, the industry shut down last year since from 1995 to 2000, I guess, 19, the major studios produced, I think it was 157 movies. Now, last year, because of the shutdown, let's just take one of those movies and that, well, let's say, 20th Century Fox, they literally produced one movie last year. Now, of course, there's all these people that are out of work and this sort of thing, and it's a huge domino effect. It's not just the people on set. It's not just actors. It's not just crew members. It's uh, the people that run movie theaters. And let's be honest, guys, people that run movie theaters, there's only a handful of companies that actually own most of the movie theaters, but, uh, but they you know, are real people that are working in them, that are trying to stay alive and support their families. And to be honest, they make most of their money selling corn and, and sugar water. And, you know, so they, they've got, you know, it's a fine line between survival and, uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's the distribution companies and the, you know, the, the production companies and investors that are making all the money. You know, the, the, if, if you look into the business of, of how a movie makes money, it's, uh, there's a lot of hands in the pockets. And the people that actually own the cinemas are not getting a lot. And those people are suffering. So across the board, and now also, it is a normal sort of pastime for people to get together amongst their friends or their lovers and go sit in a dark room and watch a movie. And now that's been taken away from people. So do they come back? And again, like I said before in one of these other episodes, it's not an event when you look at it on your TV and you stream it. 
Well, there, there is the interactive that um, I'm seeing streaming with interactive parties are called interactive parties. Like uh, everyone's inviting me to Clubhouse. I will go on there. I do need to upgrade my phone. As you guys know, I am Cinderella here. But there is interactive party streaming platforms that I'll talk to you about. And my friend from Silicon Valley is a tech guy that introduced me to. And I did see a friend of mine do something with a streaming Twitch um, who and I, I actually pitched like about 20 years ago to Fox Studio interactive script of mine it was a date script and they said it was like way advanced before his time it was interactive where the audience picks um chooses the thing and it's totally completely interactive which now it is 100 doable like we are living in the jetsons age so i'm yeah. hoping that the theaters open up we're really hopeful the theaters open up because i think binge watching streaming uh, watching on from watching on your phone to your laptop to your computer to the big screen there's something about a big screen that's like you know your first day oh, or, like or dressing up like rocky picture horror show where you dress up with all your friends or you go into um a bridesmaid yeah. party or a bachelorette party or you bring your kids kids like having a birthday party watching a big movie but i really do that but uh, let's speak real quickly before um we, we have enough time to talk about you teach a class in atlanta and all actors please listen to this he hypnot you use hypnot you hypnotize the actors or you use hypnotherapy to get the actors to do acting. Could you explain to me and on the audience all about that cool Absolutely. acting technique? Absolutely. Uh, you, you heard me complain that many people don't understand the language of actors. And that's not something that I've just come up with. I actually discovered that when I was in film school in uh, Santa Barbara. And um, I had a dear friend that told me when I was complaining about that, that people, that directors didn't tend to understand about acting. And uh, this particular acting person, which is now a big casting director, which is Megan Foley, she said, why don't you go take an acting class? And I was like, hmm, okay, I'll do that. And so I went and took a, a Lee Strasberg uh, method class, not with Lee, but you know, his style. And I thought it was insane. I thought it was crazy. And uh, and I left and then went and studied a few other things like Stella Adler and Meisner and, you know, the usual suspects. And I went back to the method because I thought it was the thing. Now, I studied acting not so that I could be an actor, but so I could be a better filmmaker so that I could truly understand how it is that you deal with acting. And I never stopped studying it. In fact, I then started studying with a guy named Chuck Mara, who incidentally married Megan Foley. And he did study with Lee Strasberg. And I, the other thing was, is that I'd studied hypnosis casually before that. And what I figured out as soon as I took that method class was that the relaxation and effective memory, which I did not get into at that point, but I heard about effective memory was literally just a hair's breadth away from hypnosis. And from that moment on, I started trying to figure out how do I actually mix these things? Until finally, when after I started directing, I would occasionally get asked to come lecture um, a, at an acting school. And so I would go talk at acting schools and then I would ask if I would come and teach, you know, for pitch it for, for another teacher that had to leave. And um, I'd, really discovered how close this was. And I started using it with actors on the set. I started studying more about hypnosis. And then I opened my own school. And when I opened my own school, it was for the purpose 
of being able to discover exactly how this connection could help actors. And there are hypnotherapists that do things like help people to, to get better at memory and to, to memorize their lines and to get over stage fright, and uh, that's fine. But for me, when you talk about effective or what they call emotional memory, where you take something that happened in your life, and generally actors always go to the dark side, but the dark side is very important because it's the dark side that we experience in our lives that we tend to have feelings like regret. We don't usually regret the great things that happened to us. So consequently, the emotions that you have over something that was relatively horrible are very long standing. And we, we have a tendency when something bad happens to us to analyze it and figure it out and deal with it so that it never happens again. When something good happens to us, we tend to go out with our friends and get drunk. <laughs> and and celebrate but we don't sit and say sometimes we do but normally we don't sit and say wow how do we make that happen again and so i figured out how it is with emotional memory slash effective memory that actors then take these things and play that particular scenario in the background of a scene that they're doing well, if I take them through a series of sense memory exercises and uh, hypnotize them to attach that particular thing, and I'll get them to get to a place, let's say if, say they're using something like they were in a car accident when they were seven years old. And if uh, it, I will take them back to that car accident in a hypnotic state and get them to describe the color that they see, the light, that sort of thing. What do they hear? What do they smell? What do they taste? What do they feel? And then surround that with a trigger in the scene that they're playing. And then when they play that scene, let me tell you something. It goes from being a fantastic, wonderful, effective scene to award-winning. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear Every that, everyone? Uh, uh, from uh, just an ordinary scene to an award-winning scene. Michael, are they, what is your class's name? And you, it's in Atlanta. Do they have, uh, is it online right now with COVID or? Well, is actually, actually, because of COVID, it's, it's online. I don't even right now at the moment, I don't have a single student that lives in Atlanta. They all live in Europe. Uh, got one in New York, a few in Florida, but mostly they're in Europe. Uh, there's one right now that's in Utah. And um, it is it is very heavy, but it's very serious. And I give you uh, actors, and I, I, I always teach actors to think like filmmakers, you know, to to broaden everything. But I say this also to people that want to be directors: you ought to study acting, and again, learn how to speak to actors so that you can be on a level with them. The, the, of, of understanding. That's that's the way you're going to tell your story the best. These people are trained uh, to do things, and it's best that you understand it. But then I developed another thing that I call the deep character identification, which I got from a fellow hypnotherapist um, named Sean Carson, had written a book called Deep Trance Identification, which was based on a thing that they've been doing in Russia for decades where they will, this is the way they train their athletes. This is the way they train their scientists and um, writers and actors that they use a, a thing called deep trance identification 
where they are able to go, you know, take them to a place. Well, I kind of readjusted that specifically for actors and uh, certainly give credit where credit is due, but um, it's, it's readjusted because it's, uh, I've made it easier and more accessible and it's also a game changer. And basically what you can do with deep character identification is that while with effective memory, you're able to go into your own life and choose these sort of things to happen, I teach you how you can study any other person or a tree or a hurricane or a rock, uh, whether they're a historic person or a character from a play or a book or a movie. And through hypnosis, you can emulate whatever you want to from that person and lay it into your scene. So, so Michael, where would they um, find you? you your michaelgivens.com is where people can find out what you're working on. Can they also um, find out about your class on michaelgivens.com and that's G-I-V-E-N-S.com? Yes. Uh, if you go to that site, I've recently put sort of pretty much all of my entities at the one place. And uh, the tabs at the top, there is acting classes. And the acting school is called MGA, just like my old production company, which is which stands for Michael Gibbons and Associates. Um, but that website is now part of that website. My hypnosis business is also on there because what I found is that I would do hypnosis with a client with a, I'm sorry, with a, with an actor. And I never do this in front of people, but invariably, you know, you don't hide anything on the set and people find out and then people would come to me on the set and say like, Hey, can you help me stop smoking or lose 10 pounds or stop chewing my fingernails or get rid of anxiety? And I would say, yes, of course. And uh, then we would do that. And so now on the side, I do that sort of thing. But there's another thing that I really enjoy doing, particularly for actors. And that has to do with regression therapy. Um, Not going back into their own lives or present lives, but doing past life regression or um, past life therapy, where then actors go back and observe things from past lives and you don't actually have to believe in reincarnation this can be a very creative way of coming up with story oh amazing well we're about to run out of time i want to thank everyone please check out michaelgivens.com and thank you for listening everyone that's michael gibbons on film addicts